everybody. My name is Katie Ellison. The pronouns I use are she, her, and hers. I'm a senior here at Central Michigan University, and this is our first rendition and episode of a podcast. I believe we're calling RevCMU. That's how fresh it is. We don't even have an official title yet. Um, But we're here to break down voting, and every week I'll come to you with some sort of question or topic that might be on the top of students' minds here at CMU um, related to voting and civic engagement as there is an election coming up in November. Today, I'm going to talk with Norma Bailey about CMU's voting culture and give you the breakdown on everything we have cooking, um, as well as how we came to be with central votes and the coalition and everything we're doing here on our campus to improve voter um, engagement within our students. So hello, Norma. Welcome to the podcast. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself? Um, I know you are faculty here, but if you can explain your entire history here at CMU, even pre-voting, maybe. (laughs) Thank you, Kate. (laughs) I'm delighted to be here. My name is Norma Bailey. I'm a retired faculty member yes. at CMU, although I occasionally will present in a class and have taken a couple of classes, uh, or taught a couple of classes. My involvement with this has been ever since, not the beginning, because there used to be efforts on this campus to try and get young people to vote, mm-hmm. but they were sporadic and never continued. So when I retired in 2014, I was passionate about voting, but didn't really have much direction, other than I had been to Alabama to study the civil rights movement. Selma was so inspiring to me. Selma where, of course, they fought to get the right to vote. When I came back, and that was in 2009, I wanted to do something with young people, but I wasn't quite sure. And then I ran into another faculty member, Dr. Laura Fry, who no longer teaches here. She was in special education, who also had gone a number of years ago to Selma, Alabama. And we started talking, well, okay, what can we do? So we started a group called Rev CMU. That's why this title is particularly (laughs) appropriate. Register, Educate, Vote, CMU. And we did a variety of efforts talking to different classes, uh, social science classes, et cetera, and tried to help people. Then in 2016, recognizing it was just the two of us and there was a huge election coming up, um, I formed an honors class which was just a class of five students who wanted to work on the election. And we worked, again, under the auspices of Rev CMU. And we did reasonably well. I mean, we could see some improvements. Uh, Later on, I can give you some statistics to see how that's changed. But uh, that was just an honors class for one semester, and then the election was over. And I felt that that would not continue if we didn't continue to set up something. So then we happened to run across, at least I did, Uh, Campus Vote Project, which is a project uh, nationwide, uh, has a Michigan uh, connection, and they were very helpful in helping us see what we could do. The first thing was you should start a coalition. So then we started forming this coalition. I invited Dr. Jody Brookins Fisher to be my co-chair. She agreed. And so what we began doing was thinking about what mm, entities in the campus could be involved. And so we invited obviously Student Life, the Volunteer Center, the Honors Program, the Leadership Institute, and then we wanted all the colleges, so we have colleges, every college is represented. Um, But it wasn't just faculty, it was administration, it was students, and we had a good number of students, and it was community members. We have had a couple, three community members involved with us, including the um, city clerk of Mount Pleasant. Our primary goal has been to institutionalize these efforts. Mm -hmm. We've been doing them as a volunteer effort, all of us, since 2016, and we certainly believe that there should be an institutional connection here. But 
I think I'll stop there. That's sort of the history, and I'll see what kind of questions Katie might yeah, have Yeah, that me. really covers a lot of really how it started and how it came to be. I didn't even know a lot of what inspired you to get involved, so that that's really powerful. I guess with that, that makes me wonder, when you went to Selma, Alabama, it was it as soon as you came back as you realized this is a gap on our campus, or did you come back and you sort of knew it was already there? Did you already know that our voter numbers were lower, or that opened your eyes and made you want to get involved right away, or did it take a little bit of time to get started? Well, I went in 2009, didn't mm-hmm. run into Laura until 2000, probably 13. Mm-hmm. We were both on campus at the time. I don't think I was aware of the low numbers. I was just passionate about the fact that when I was in Selma and in uh, Montgomery and in Birmingham, Alabama, mm-hmm. that it was young people yeah. who fought the fight. Yes. It was young people who stood up and were willing to risk. Uh, as were their parents, but their young people particularly. And that's what made me passionate about coming back here and saying, what could I do? Mm-hmm. Actually, that was also the beginning of uh, two honors classes that I have taught. I went and worked with the honors program Fame Camarina mm-hmm. because I believed that perhaps if I could get a group of students to go down and see it themselves, they yes. would come back and be <laughs> fired up. So, no, I, I wasn't aware of a gap. Um, fairly quickly became aware of a gap <laughs> as we hooked up with something called NSELF, the National Study of Learning in NSL. <laughs> I never can get it right. Uh, National Study. Well, I uh, have it here. You I got can, it. Please, I Katie, can talk go. About it. I would love to. Yeah. So NSOLVE, as we call it, is the National Study of Learning, Voting, and Engagement. Um, and we call it NSOLVE even though it's spelled N-S-L-V-E. Um, And this is a landmark study by U.S. College and University Student Voting. Um, It was launched in 2013, um, and it consists of a database of more than 10 million de-identified student records that have been combined with publicly available voting records for each of the 2012, 2014, 2016, 2018, and most recently the 2020 elections. And so institutions sign up to participate. So it's not everybody, but CMU does participate. Um, and institutions um, everywhere, everyone from two-year to four-year public and private colleges and universities all participate, including graduate programs. As I said, our campuses opt in, and we have been opt in for a couple years now. Um, I guess that's a good point to ask. Um, were you part of us signing up to participate in NSELF? Absolutely. Once I started (laughs) doing some learning, I found out about NSELF, and I figured that's where we could get some data. Mm -hmm. I was not involved in it, and that the president and one other person at the administrative level had signed on, but they didn't know what to do with it and hadn't done anything with it. So when I found out this existed, I went looking to start getting our data because that's a way of measuring. Mm -hmm. Um, You can go out and register students and talk to students, et cetera, but how do we measure, is it making a difference? So getting some of this data was powerful. Um, When we got our data, what we found out is that we are not, um, we have not been as high as the national average for college students Mm -hmm. voting. We were every instance, that is midterm and primary elections, that is, Uh, general elections, we were below the national average until this past year. Yay! Woo! (laughs) So, yes. So part of our goal has been to take a look at that data, and they give it to you so you can analyze it. You can analyze it by registration, by freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, Mm -hmm. by various um, academic departments, where they're voting, where they're not voting. And so it's been very helpful for us as we've built our program, and that's really been our goal every year. When we send in our plan, we indicate... um, 
what we would like to do, how many points above we would like to do. Would you like the data on that, Katie? <laughs> sure, but one thing I want to ask you sure. first, when you first saw our data and realized we were quite below the national average for a very long time, like, what did that make you feel? Were you shocked? Were you disappointed? Were you fired up about it? What, made, what was your reaction? Well, it clearly fires me up because then yes. we have a goal. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know if I was disappointed. I, I think Central students have not generally been politically active. I mean, when you think about U of M or MSU, larger universities um, in bigger areas like Ann Arbor and, and Lansing, they probably are more politically aware. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be. Yeah. So that's where the fired up comes into yeah. because I think our vote counts here. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, 20,000 students that could be participating. So, yeah, it fires me up because now I have data that tells me I can show what we can do and mm -hmm. then we can do it and then we can be proud of what we've done. Absolutely and I think it's really helpful with this data too. Um, it represents roughly um, 1,200 colleges and universities from all 50 states and the District of Columbia as well as um, in the most recent report they examined over a thousand campuses that represented approximately nine million student voters so we can compare ourselves to past years of our own university but also at the national level, what are other universities doing um, with that, I guess? What, what shocked you the most? Was there a specific data point when, if we're to break open our NSOLV data, data, is there anything that, like you thought, wow, our registration rate needs to be higher, or I thought our voting rate would be higher? Well, we actually have discovered our registration rate now is pretty high. Now, but mm -hmm. of course, we've been working since 2016, and in the 2020 election, when we got our registration data, mm -hmm. we were at 89% of our student body at that point w was registered. Mm -hmm. So that's really pretty high. Mm -hmm. Our voting wasn't as high, but we, for the first time, actually um, superseded the national average for college students voting in 2020. We gained 24, almost 24% more of our students voting in the 2020 election. And we can't claim credit for all of that. It was yes. a very popular election. But the fact that we beat the national average for other universities mm -hmm. does give me a point of pride that I feel really good about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I have some notes here, and I'm looking at our voting rate. Um, this is not just the voting rate of registered student, but our overall voting rate. In 2016, our voting rate at the university was 44.2%. In 2018, it actually dropped to 34.1%. And then in 2020, we passed the national average, which sits around the 66% rate, to 68.1% of our students voted, which is like mind-blowing, I think. Right, but one thing to be aware of, Kate, is that that 34% for the midterm, mm -hmm. you don't want to compare national to midterm. So if you compare midterm to midterm, we've mm -hmm. gone from, in 2014, we were only at 16% of our students even participating 16. in the midterm. And, and that's typical of the United mm -hmm. States, it's low, but we doubled, more than doubled it to 34%. Yes. So from 2014 to 2018, we more than doubled it. Then you, if you compare national to national, mm -hmm. that is presidential elections, to go from 44%, which was below the average mm -hmm. of other college students, to 68.1, really is a, a good sign of that it's making a difference here. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that's important, and um, I know you're involved with this, Kate, yes. is that we're not just looking at elections. Mm -hmm. um, that's why we have the coalition that goes all semesters. Even though we don't meet as frequently, except in a, in a, in a um, presidential election or a midterm election, we still are working. So we are trying to get our students 
to understand fully this notion of civic engagement mm -hmm. and participating in it. So we encourage them to become poll watchers, mm -hmm. to become poll workers. Um, and our main focus is educating to try and help our young people understand because it's not an easy process, unfortunately. It's easier than it used to be because in 2018, Proposal 2 passed mm. and it made it a lot easier, but it still isn't easy. For example, you have to apply to get mm -hmm. your absentee ballot. So you've got to know how to do that. And then when you get it, how to fill it out and then how to send it back. So it's more than just signing up to help with elections. We are continuous throughout all the semesters. We continue to work. Absolutely. One thing that you just said that made me think of it is you mentioned the coalition and I feel like some people listening might be saying, what the heck is this coalition? What even is RevCMU, right? The name of this podcast. Um, I know Central Votes, the registered student organization here on campus, that's um, something I'm really grateful to be president of, um, and that's our student org that meets weekly like every other student org, right? We're out there, students, for students, by students. Um, but can you speak a little bit about the coalition as well as you were there since the early days, so what made you feel the need to start with a coalition? I think there's a lot of power in that. Mm -hmm. Again, I was probably pretty unaware when I started, <laughs> but Campus Vote Project, this one that I mentioned that is a, has a Michigan representation but also is nationwide, said that really the first thing you want to do is get yourself forming a coalition. Mm. So that's what we set about doing. They say try and find all the entities across campus that can help you disseminate information because otherwise just a small group can't. And so we recognized that we needed all the academic departments. We needed some of the uh, other kinds of things, like I indicated, the Honors Program and the Leadership mm -hmm. Institute. We have athletics. We have yeah. Greek life. Because your job is to have all of these people perhaps not meet overly regularly. We don't have high attendance at the coalition, but we send out minutes. And then our it, we get ideas from them, because it, when you meet together with people, you gather ideas. But then their job is to disseminate the information because we need to make sure that every aspect of this university is being hit mm -hmm. in terms of knowing about the election. Uh, right now, it's knowing about an election, it, how to participate in the election, why it's important, and then what are the processes that you need to do to get there to November 8th. Mm -hmm. So the coalition completely partners with Central Votes mm -hmm. RSO. Mm -hmm. That's our student strength, mm -hmm. and then we're the Support. Support strength, I guess you'd call it, or the the old fogey strength. No. no, we're not old. But we are, in other words, it's primarily um, adults, mm -hmm. uh, adult adults, as I used to call it, because you're an adult, but we used to call us adult, adult adults. Official adults. Yes. Well, you're official, too. You're 21. I still have training wheels on, maybe. Okay, I'm there kidding. we go. <laughs> yeah. So it's really important. And then this wonderfulness of partnering with the Volunteer Center has been so wonderful, too, mm -hmm. because they're really focused. They now have what's called Central Civics. You can mm -hmm. say more about that, Kate. I can. So we sort of have three main branches of voting here at CMU. We have the Coalition and the RSO that work really closely together, and obviously they fall under the sort of same name as Central Votes. But then we also have the Central Civics Program through the Volunteer Center here on campus. Um, and I'm lucky to be a student coordinator with that as well. And that is a little bit more broad stuff. Again, I work year round um, and whoever serves this role does. It's not directly tied to um, Central Votes in any way. Um, I'm just lucky to love voting so much that I get to do it in pretty much every aspect of my um, day. But Central Civics especially is focused on normalizing conversations around voting and encouraging students to understand why civic engagement is such a valuable 
like key cornerstone of our society, understanding that obviously I focus quite a bit on elections this semester, but in general, we've done events in the past that are how do you write to your letters? How do you write letters to your representatives? How do you talk to your family, friends and family around the dinner table about politics? How do you go out there and make a difference? How do you get connected with political internships? So it's all sorts of things under the central civics umbrella. But I think the power of the volunteer center is a really great way, again, to institutionalize voting and civic engagement on our campus, because I'm proud that it's a pillar of this university, but it isn't necessarily something um, that has had super formalized support in the terms of um, maybe monetary support at all times. I, would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I would absolutely agree. This is a one goal that we still have is to mm -hmm. institutionalize this to get Central Michigan University ex um, recognize the importance of having an office mm -hmm. or a position that is permanent because right now you have only volunteers doing all of this work, mm -hmm. whether it's student volunteers or adult volunteers. So I think that that is really, really important to recognize the, that all other universities in Michigan yes. have that and we don't, and yet we're accomplishing good things. Mm -hmm. um, that may be a downfall for us because we're accomplishing good things. <laughs> they don't have to support it, but we're going to keep on pushing it because yes. it is so crucial. I think it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. We've done all this great work with no explicit support, um, but, you know, it's not sustainable maybe unless we have, um, hopefully, even more support moving forward, but... We shall see, I guess, if that comes one day. We will continue to have that as our number one goal <laughs> yes, every single time. Absolutely. So you mentioned before that RevCMU is the previous name of um, what we now know as Central Votes. Can you elaborate a little bit on how we came to be Central Votes and maybe why that happened? Why did why did RevCMU get the axe, Norma? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it got the axe, but as we were trying to create something that perhaps would be a brand that we could use here, um, it just seemed more lively to say central votes mm -hmm. because then it's a, making a statement. Rev CMU is register, educate, vote. That, yes, it encompasses it all, but central votes is a statement that this mm -hmm. is what we do. And so we really have been working on that with the freshmen. When, we, um, when they are signing up to be freshmen here at CMU and they start getting their orientation materials, they see that logo, central votes. And the messages they're receiving right from the beginning, and we do send messages home to their parents also asking them to get them to register to vote, is this is what we do. When mm -hmm. you become an adult. We do. It's our slogan. It's university our slogan. Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, what do we do? We also vote. We vote. <laughs> so I think that's why to be a little more lively, to make a statement, and definitely want that to be the brand. So when, when somebody's wearing that sticker around, mm -hmm. uh, we're not making a statement about how we vote or anything like that. We're just saying this is what we do. And, in fact, that's important. I'll say something, then maybe you want to say yeah. something else, Kate. We are absolutely nonpartisan. Yes. The university requires that, for one thing, as it should. This mm -hmm. is a public university. But we are absolutely nonpartisan in that we don't care how you vote, whether you vote Republican, Democrat, Green Party, or any other party. What we don't want you to do is not vote mm -hmm. because we believe that this is what a good citizen does. It becomes uh, part of your rights, but also part of your responsibility to raise your voice around the issues that are important to you. So that's why it became Central Votes and why it's really what we're trying to do is brand ourselves as when you leave here, you are still somebody who will vote because yes. central votes. Yes, I think that's super important. And I do think, obviously, I know we're both a little bit upset that voting has become something that's maybe 
a hot button issue, but I think that could be its whole own episode. Um, is yeah, that's my favorite slogan when I'm talking to people out on campus is I don't care who you vote for. I just hope that you vote. I want to help you show up on election day. Or even with that, I don't care who you vote for. Um, and I also don't care how you vote. If you want to vote absentee, mail in early, election day is your kind of thing. That's super cool. And I just want to give you the resources to be able to do that. No stigmas attached. I like we never even ask like what party you want to register for. We don't do any of that type of stuff at all. So I think that's really important that Voting is about showing up and making your voice heard, making our democracy a little bit better, feeling yourself represented. That's that's all it's about. Mm -hmm. I guess I want to talk about that just for a second, too, Kate, because you just made a good point. There are so many issues out there. And you know, sometimes young people will say, well, I'm not political. Yes. Well, hear that every, all the time. <laughs> yeah. But every issue is political in the term in the sense that which side do you most value? Which side do you most align with? So if you take the word Healthcare. Mm -hmm. How do you think healthcare should be delivered in this country? If you take the word voting, mm -hmm. that has become unfortunately partisan. Mm -hmm. But do you, if you believe that everybody ought to vote, you lean one way versus if you believe it ought to be harder to vote. Any issue you think about, including for your own careers, that's one thing that I, I tried to help my students when I was in teacher education understand that the people who make the laws about your career, that is, how do you get certified, what are the certification levels, how many, in school is, how many days do you have to go to school? Mm -hmm. um, are there <laughs> snow days? All of those are decided by people in Congress, people at the state or national level. So when you vote, you're, unless you want to run for office and do it yourself, you're voting for the people that will hopefully mm, support the way that you're thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important, because no matter the issue, you have a voice, and your voice is your vote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something I think about a lot, too, is even if, right, we hear that all the time. Well, I'm not political. I just don't, don't not my thing. You know, I respect that, um, but I do sometimes push back with students about that a little bit, and I'll say, as you said, it affects you, sort of whether you feel it or not. You might feel it one day and might have wished you voted <laughs> now if you're going to feel it in 10 years or whatever, um, whenever it may be. But absolutely, I think, too, we've really worked on um, and we're working even more on connecting with different student populations. As you said, with teachers, they have their own unique issues that voting affects them. Same with um, you know, our STEM students, a lot of times, unfortunately, based on our unsolved, we know that their numbers are a little bit lower. Um, but we also know that if they want to do research, that's going to be a lot of times you need the government to step in and help you and allocate some of those funds. So all of that type of stuff, everybody, everybody is affected, um, whether they feel it right now or not, um, as well as um, at the university, you go to Central Michigan University, our board of trustees, for example, is appointed by the governor. Maybe you don't really care about the governor, but whoever the governor may be, that's voted on, and she decides who is really making the final decisions at this very university, and they decide mm -hmm. everything here from tuition to what parking lots go where, right? So you'll <laughs> feel it maybe one day when you're pulling into that pay-and-go spot. And <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that's also important to understand is that you, that I'm talking about young people, all of you, are the largest voting block in our country now. Yes. I'm of the baby boomer generation, <laughs> the early part of it, but we used to be the biggest voting block. Mm -hmm. That isn't the case any longer. If all students across this country got up and vote, they could determine virtually any issue in this country. Yes. And they, so when a student says, I'm not political or it's not important to me, it's really hard I understand why they feel that way, yeah. because they're young, because they haven't really thought about a lot of this. But that's really a part of what 
Central Votes is trying to do is mm -hmm. educate young people about why it's important to vote, not just how to vote. First of all, we, they have to believe that it is important, mm -hmm. which, which raises a question for me, Kate. <laughs> yes. I'm curious, how did you... Um, I've been passionate about voting since I was a little kid, in mm -hmm. a sense. When mm -hmm. I was, I remember, four years old, my parents <laughs> took me to the voting polls. Yes. I had no idea why I was there. Mm -hmm. But I knew it was important because my parents were second generation mm -hmm. from other countries, from Russia and from Poland, and so it was important. Um, how about you? How did you become impassioned about voting? Yeah, I think... Right, I'm only 21, so I've only voted a couple times now. Um, had the great opportunity to. I, like you, watched my parents um, vote. Um, their polling place was my elementary school, so we would walk together. It's on the same street as my parents' house where they still live, so we'd walk together to the polls. They would vote. And I was like, what is this dark, scary building? Like, my cafeteria and my building normally doesn't look like this, and there was all adults in there and these big, scary machines, and it wasn't something that I ever really felt connected to. Um, and I really did not get involved in central votes until my junior year. I'm a senior here. Um, I did not even attend a single central votes meeting, I believe, until my junior year. Wow. Um, so I think I always talk about this, too, when I talk about civic engagement and why it's important to be engaged. Is it's never too late to get involved. It's never too late to be passionate. Um, and that's the case with me with voting is um, I, like you, with Campus Vote Project, I actually was able to connect with them. I don't even know how I ended up. It was just last year, in the fall of last year, I got connected with them through a fellowship opportunity to do redistricting work. Mm -hmm. um, I remember And yeah. that was something that I w had never thought about at all and was like, well, this seems like a really cool opportunity. This only happens once in a decade. Again, redistricting in Michigan could be its ho whole own other episode. Um, so maybe keep your eyes peeled um, on the feed for that. But... I started with redistricting for a semester and dove in head first and did events on campus. Um, and that naturally got me connected with a lot of our student voting leaders, um, both Maddie Thomas and Ryan Cooker, who have both graduated. Um, but they left big shoes to fill and were really great at connecting me and encouraging me to dive more into the yes. actual voting side of things and say, hey, you have something really great here with redistricting that you're finding a passion about that you didn't even know existed two months ago. Um, and then in the spring, um, I continued being a fellow just in a different format with Campus Vote Project. And by the spring of the very first year I like started getting involved, I was the president of Central Votes. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's all it takes. That's all it takes really truly is like I just felt so passionate about this cause that quite literally affects everyone. Mm -hmm. And I've been a political science student for a long time. So it's always been in the back of my mind. But um it is something that quite literally affects everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and it's important to be mindful that not every student at CMU can vote, and we know that um, with our international students, our students that aren't citizens, that aren't 18 yet. Um, seeing that and recognizing that is really important. And for me, that just proves that voting has so much more power because you can speak um, maybe for people that can't speak for themselves yet mm -hmm. or don't have that right right now. That reminds me of something I guess I want to say, too. I know you said you didn't become involved till you were a junior. Yes. Um, our students, yes, some of them don't reach 18 until partway through this year mm -hmm. here. But that's a big change, and I don't think most young people realize yeah. that. I couldn't vote until I was 21. Really? Because, yes. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yes. We weren't allowed to vote till we were 21 because that's when you became an adult. Oh. Yet, the reason it changed was because young people got fired up. Let me go mm -hmm. back to 1969, 70, 71. Throwback. Vietnam, Vietnam War yeah. was going on. And young people were being, having to sign up for the draft, 
being sent to fight and perhaps die in Vietnam, and yet they couldn't vote for the people who were sending them. Mm -hmm. And that became an issue for young people. They rose up and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And eventually they convinced enough, young, enough people who were in power to say, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. Somebody can send you to war, and you don't even get to vote on that person whether or not they're the ones that will send you. So in 1971, the law changed. And that was when 18-year-olds got the right to vote. Wow which is fascinating. And I remember being so excited when I turned 21 because I had to wait that long. But at the time, it just feel, felt like, well, that was normal, mm -hmm. but not anymore. And I do believe 18-year-olds have the minds that can make decisions about candidates, about issues. They have to get engaged. They have mm -hmm. to get involved. But once they do, they have opinions about these various things. And what they're doing is raising their voice to sway the actions of different po people in political power, whether it's at the state, national, or local level. And I think most of the time with that, I'm, I'm learning so much um, with that too, is that I really feel in my heart that nobody is not political or um, maybe doesn't have key issues they relate to. Either they probably don't know that those issues exist yet um, or have those opinions and just don't realize until maybe you get them talking or get them connecting it to something in their personal life where they're like, wait, I really care about this. And this really impacts me. And like, I think that that spark can be really powerful as part of with central votes and central civics, especially is like, if we start these conversations, voting yes. becomes, obviously it's an a, amazing right that we have. It makes our democracy better, but it, it's a normal thing that we do on Tuesdays. Like it is simultaneously a really big deal and also something that is a regular part and hopefully will be a regular part of every single citizen's Tuesdays <laughs> or not Tuesdays if you're mailing it in. Well, not Tuesdays in that there are also ways to say if in fact voting, and this might sound mm. partisan, but if voting is a right that everybody has, we want to make it feasible for everybody to exercise that right. And mm -hmm. so there are lots of questions swirling right now about whether there should be early voting, whether there should yeah. be online voting. The, one of the questions that arises is the whole question, and we probably can't get into it today, uh -huh. about, well, are elections safe? Are they secure? Yeah. Now, that has unfortunately made it partisan. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, and I, I can speak personally, and they may cut this out of the, <laughs> out of the podcast, I went down to Flint two years ago and served as an election worker for the first mm -hmm. time. There is no way that there was fraud going on. The checks and balances, checks and balances, checks and balances, and I just did it again this summer here in Mount Pleasant. I am amazed by how secure it is, and yet there would be those that would say it is not secure. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an issue that you are trying to decide what do I believe because then I will vote for candidates who either believe it's secure or don't believe it's secure. Mm -hmm. But that's part of your job as a young person, as any voter, to dig in and educate yourself mm -hmm. about what you believe by really finding out what mm -hmm. the, the truth, the facts are. Or with that, if you have concerns about election security, I'd recommend be a poll worker. Absolutely. See for yourself. They need poll workers um, all across the state, especially if you speak other different languages. Um, poll working is available. It's paid. You get paid to both be there on election day as well as for any of your training. Um, a bit of a tangent there, but it is... If you have any thoughts about it, whether in support or concerns related to security of elections, um, participate. Again, back to voting civic engagement. Be a part of the system and make it better. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and that is a great place to end because that's what we want. Is we want you to recognize that you are a citizen and that you can be a part of all of this. Voting mm -hmm. is the simplest thing to do, 
But there are other ways that you can become civically engaged. So I'm going to encourage you to follow Central Civics out of the Volunteer Center mm -hmm. because they're going to have some really good stuff coming out this semester, mm -hmm. as they did last semester, last spring. Yes. With that, I'll wrap it up. We'll go back to our topic question of this episode. If you want to answer it in just one sentence, or I know we're both a little long-winded and love talking about this, maybe a little bit more than one sentence if you feel the need. The question is, what is CMU's voting culture? What has it been and what is it now? It's a stumper. <laughs> not too bad. I think it was a culture of passivity before. Mm -hmm. Most people not engaged, not even thinking about it. And I think over the past, at least since 2016, when Rev CMU started and then Central Votes picked up and has carried on, I think it's become a much more actively aware, both uh, at the administrative level, even though we don't have an, our institutionalized, we definitely have all sorts of support across this campus in every way possible for getting this, our information out. Mm -hmm. So I, and then students clearly have responded mm -hmm. when we have now voted more than the national average of other college students. So I think it's a definitely, I would say even more than evolving, growing um, culture of believing that this is important and that we will participate. Central will vote. Oh, I could not have said it better myself. I think I won't even wrap, I won't even answer it myself. I'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining us, Norma. Oh, thank you. This, I love to talk about <laughs> this, as do you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for tuning into the very, very first episode of our voting podcast here with CM Life. My name is Katie Ellison. My guest today was Norma Bailey, um, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>